Welcome to Mammoth Community Christian Church. It's good to see you here with us today. Well, this morning, it's one of those special Sundays where we get to hear from one of our elders. So it's our English and youth elders. So welcome, Elder James, share with us today. Praise the Lord that we can be here or online to worship Him together this morning. I have been preaching a series of messages on Israel's Exodus journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. Israel started this journey after they were delivered by God out of their slavery in Egypt. As Christians, we started a spiritual journey after we were saved by the Lord from the slavery of sin. There are many valuable lessons we can learn from Israel's journey. We have studied the burning bush story in my last two times. This story provides a prelude of the Israel's upcoming journey. Today, I will finish this story and then focus on one lesson we should learn from it. In our first study, this uh, I doesn't work yet. Oh, okay, great. Should I point here? Okay. In our first study of this story, Moses encounters God in a burning bush at Mount Sinai when he was 80 years old. God reveals his compassion for the affliction Israelites suffered for many years in Egypt. He promises to rescue them from Egypt and brings them to the promised land. He calls Moses to be the messenger to Pharaoh and to lead Israel out of Egypt. However, Moses is not receptive to God's call. Instead of saying, yes, Lord, I will go immediately, Moses started a dialogue with God. He presents to God a series of excuses. As to why he does not fit what God calls him to do. Who am I? What should I say to them who you are? What if they do not believe me? I'm slow of speech and tongue. Please send someone else. We studied the first two of these excuses last time and will study the other three today. I'm sorry, uh, my notes is a kind of mess up this morning. Oops.
please bear with me for a second. Sometimes the technology doesn't work very well. Um, I have to now use my hand to manually control it better. Let me briefly recap the first two excuses we studied last time. His first excuse is presented through a question. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Apparently, he doesn't think he is the right person for this mission. His past experience in Egypt comes to his mind as he hears God's call at this moment. At one hand, he grew up in Pharaoh's house, so he knows how Pharaoh rules Egypt. On the other hand, his life was impacted by an incident he involved in Egypt 40 years ago after he killed an Egyptian in defense of an Israelite. Even he identified with the Hebrews as his own people. He was not accepted as one of their own. In the end, he had to flee to Midian because Pharaoh intended to kill him. He has been a shepherd for the flock of his father-in-law over the years. Although he felt the impulse to save the people 40 years ago, he was humbled by his failure. His first excuse is a rhetorical question it kind of shows his humility and the lack of confidence. The issue is he is focusing on his own inadequacy to qualify for this mission. His mind is filled by the doubt of his ability and the fear of failure. So his question is intended to give information to God then to receive an answer. He wants to express to God he is not the right person for the commission. But God's response doesn't address Moses' qualification at all. He simply responds Moses with a promise that he will be with him. God wants to shift Moses' focus from himself and his own inability to God and God's ability. God's presence with Moses is the key to complete this mission. His presence is more than sufficient for all challenges and obstacles. Moses' qualification is irrelevant. 
God will enable him to accomplish this mission. However, God's promise of presence with Moses doesn't resolve Moses' doubt and fear. Moses initiated a hypothetical question that people might ask him. Suppose I go to Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And, the, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? This may sound like a reasonable and relevant question to ask, but it subtly shows his unbelief, more than his sincere seeking. After God has promised to be with him, nevertheless, God tells Moses his personal name and the attributes of his nature. As mentioned in our last study, this is one of the most studied passages in the Bible by the biblical society. Many scholars have analyzed the Hebrew text to understand its proper meaning. God provides his personal name from different angles in this text. God uses his name, I am, in this text when he addresses himself. He then uses his name Yahweh in this text for people to address him. His name Yahweh is translated into the English word Lord in all capitals in the Bible. In addition, he says, I am who I am. He reveals the meaning of his name and manifest the nature of his being to be self-existent, all-sufficient, and all-powerful. It assures Moses of God's presence with him, meaning, I am who I am for you. The all-sufficient and all-powerful God, Yahweh, is with you and for you. Moreover, God promises Moses when he goes to the elder of Israel, they will listen to him. But after God gives his personal name and his promise, Moses clearly shows his unbelief again and ask another hypothetical question. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? This seems to be a significant concern for Moses. Moses fears that the Israelites would not trust anything he says even though they have been crying out to God for deliverance for many years, how can they trust someone like Moses, an old shepherd from the wilderness who claims God sent him? But we have to recognize that the real issue here 
is not about the Israelites' trust of his word. It's Moses' own unbelieving heart, causing him unable to trust God's word and uh, God's promises. This reflects how people's self-focused perspectives can affect their minds and thoughts and make them doubt God's word. In response to this question, God graciously gives him three signs as evidence to convince people that God has indeed appeared to Moses. Here is the first sign that God has given to Moses. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Moses uses a wooden staff to, shepherd, to shepherding sheep at the mountain of Sinai. God turns his staff to snake and then turns it back to staff as a sign to prove his appearance to Moses. It shows God can use whatever is in people's hand to serve his purpose. One interesting detail is God asked Moses to catch the snake by the tail. Moses has been a shepherd in the desert for many years. He should know that's a wrong way to pick up a snake because the snake could curl up and bite him. The right way is to pin the snake to the ground at the back of the neck and pick it up there. But Moses follows what God says. It must be a big relief for him to see the snake turns back to staff as he holds the tail of it. The sign is not only demonstrates God's power to Moses, it also requires Moses fearless follow God's word in order to work it out. God then gives Moses the second sign. The Lord said, put your hand inside your clock 
So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. He had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into the, his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored, like the rest of the flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. God doesn't just provide one sign to show his supernatural power. His second sign is even more powerful and astonishing than the first one. Naparos was one of the most feared diseases in the ancient world. because it's uh, incurable. Since it's highly infectious, a person with leprosy is socially isolated. Sometimes it was attributed to divine judgment. Moses must be horrified to see his hand becoming leprous all of a sudden, and then feels a big relief. When his hand is restored, and becomes normal again. Only God can make such a life-threatening disease appear and disappear instantly. For the third sign, God says, if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, make, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, the water you take from the river will become blood underground. Moses cannot see the sign right away as the other two. He has to wait until he goes to Egypt to perform it. The Nile River was the life source of Egypt. Egyptians worships it as a great deity that sustains their lives. Turning the Lyle River water into blood indicates Yahweh is the Lord over the Nile. It signifies that God, the God who has commissioned Moses is the Lord over the Nile. God is the Lord over all things. He will be with Moses. Moses should trust his word and take what God has provided him 
to go to Egypt. But it, God provided these three signs with well-intended purposes. They are not just provided as evidences to show Israelites so that they can believe. Most importantly, they are provided for Moses to take faith in Yahweh. The signs are devised to show Yahweh is sovereign over all things. God can use Moses as who he is, but it requires Moses sees God as who he is and follows his instructions. After God gives Moses these powerful signs, there is still no sign of change in Moses' heart. He continues to find an excuse intended to be dismissed from the mission. This time is a, his disqualification again. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has met man's mouth, who makes him mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. Moses cleansed his slow of speech and uh, tongue is another dis reason why he sh cannot take up this assignment. He is not up to the task and has no confidence at all to do what is needed. His excuse reveals how his self-focus affects what he sees and hears from God. He apparently ignores the promises and signs God has provided him and continues to show his reluctance to commit. As Jesus says, quoting from Isaiah, people hear but never understand and see but never perceive because their hearts have become dull. Moses' heart is filled by so much doubt and fear, and it leaves very little room for faith. God is the Lord over all things. He will be with Moses' mouth. God's word signifies that his power can work in and through everything he has created. However, This doesn't
This doesn't affect Moses' focus on himself. He makes his last protest. It's a blunt objection to God's call by saying, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. He begs God to send someone else, anyone but him. God has provided everything he needs for success. He has to trust God and obey his will. He will discover what he, when he follows what God tells him to do, God can, God can deal with his doubts and fear. He will experience God's presence, faithfulness, and power. However, he is unable to put his focus on God and yield to God's will. At last, he speaks to God honestly and openly, please send someone else. Here we see a fascinating ending of this story. Moses clearly expresses he doesn't want to take up this assignment. He's unwilling to submit to God's call, fence God's anger, but God doesn't give up on him. He continues his gracious provision and promise by sending Aaron to assist him. What fascinating is, for some unknown reason, Moses finally stops his excuses and silently follows God's instruction to go to Egypt. Is it because Moses sends God's anger and uh, is pressed to go? Is it because he runs out of excuses and gives up trying? Or is it because he is finally convinced by God's plan? We don't know the exact reason because it's not recorded in the story. But the important takeaway is he is going. God is persistent in his call to Moses. Romans 11.29 says, The gifts and the calling of God was irrevocable. God's calling is never an accident and always serve his purpose. He never changed his mind and withdraw his call. He always keeps his promises and his unchangeable purpose of his call. We see this truth manifested in God's call to Moses. Also, Moses shows his lack of faith. God continues directing him to proceed with his call. We have to recognize this is a defining moment of Moses' life and Israel's history. Even Moses couldn't see what's coming. He started a new chapter of his life and served as God's powerful instrument. He was transformed to be the faithful leader of Israel as God entrusted him to be. 
God described him later on. During Israel's journey in the wilderness, he is faithful in all my house. The author of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews also described him. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. Moses' faithful servanthood, leading the people of Israel out of the Egyptian boundary, points to the later Jesus' faithful servanthood, leading people out of the bondage of sin. Moses' faithfulness as a servant is a great example that God uses to teach us today. As Christians, we all have a general calling that applies to all of us, everywhere, all the time. Also, sometimes people may encounter their personal calling by God's unique plan for each individual. The truth we learn today applies to both God's general calling and the personal calling to us. No matter, no matter whether we have encountered our personal calling, all of us have to respond to the general calling from God. God's calls all of us to be Jesus' disciples, make disciples where we are, and serve in the body of Christ according to his plan. How have you responded God's call to you? How have you experienced God's irrevocable call in your life? Does this story and the Moses' faithful life give you a fresh understanding of how God is working in you today? Let's remember that God's call to us demands trust and obey. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for today we, that we can study this story and learn from Moses' life how you call him and how he responded you and how you responded to his excuses and then still use him and the rest of his life to serve you faithfully. Lord, we know that you call all of us to trust you and obey your call, your will. We pray that this morning, even we have encountered difficulty in any kind, Lord, we still focus on you. We fix our eyes unto you. You are the Lord of all. You are the Lord on the throne of our heart. We pray that we will be able to continue to follow you and see your glory in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.